Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys. This is Jackie. Andrea. And this is Killer Cocktails. Hi, welcome. Um, this is a special holiday episode. Uh-huh. Well, holiday. We're in the middle of January. What's going on? Uh, it's Chinese New Year. <gasps> so fun. Year of the Rat. Year of the Rat. Yes. Mm-hmm. I should have looked up what that meant, and I didn't. Um, I think attributes of rats. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in case you guys don't know, Chinese New Year is on Saturday, January 25th, so it's Coming up this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie, what are you going to do for Chinese New Year? Uh, I'm going to eat Chinese food. Uh-huh. Too much Chinese food and then be uncomfortable. So we've already done that. I'm going to do... We're going to do it again. Oh. We've already talked about how we're going to do it again. <laughs> but we've decided to order differently. We're going to do less entrees mm-hmm. and we're going to do more soup and apps. We... So you put the apps in and then the soup fills the gaps. Uh-huh. That falls the around the food. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So when we went, we went at like a couple weeks ago and we're like, okay, this is for the episode. We have to do it for our fans. They're, they're wanting us to eat all this and Chinese we, food. And we, and we went, <laughs> we knew we were being weird. Uh-huh. I came late uh-huh. and I could tell already that the server was, there was some judgment yeah. happening. She was like, um, is it just for you two? This is way too much food. Because you like, guys yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. to do pickup uh-huh. and I insisted uh-huh. that we go, because here was my, in my mind, what I envisioned mm-hmm. was a Big table, a table too big for mm-hmm. the size of our group. With a lazy Susan. But I also knew how much food we were going to have. Oh. And I wanted a lazy Susan because mm-hmm. that's how you eat too much Chinese food. Yeah. Is this is over there and you... Yeah. And then you get some of that chicken. But they didn't have that. So we were at this tiny no. little booth and the entrees didn't even really fit onto the table. No. It was a it was a puzzle. <laughs> and there's so much judgment. She like brought out the soups. We didn't even finish our soups. And then the food started coming. I like, feel like we won her over by whoa. the end. By the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. she was charmed by us. She hung around and told us a story about that, Star Wars. But then I feel like we didn't respond correctly, and then she and then we were back on her shit list because she had seen the newest Star Wars that just came out, and, and I was afraid it, she was going to spoil and it. And you're like, please don't fucking don't you do it. Don't I don't you know do if it. my face was not friendly <laughs> or if I said something that was like, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> careful. Yeah, but we had so much Chinese food. And then we're like, oh, this was a mistake. We all feel so gross. Let's never do this again. But we plan to do it again. And then today at the office, we were like, you know what we should do? <laughs> we should do it again. We should go get appetizers for the crab wontons and then the wonton soup. Because did we do? We didn't do crab we wontons. We did not. Yeah. And we did it's do like the wonton my favorite thing. soup, sizzling rice soup, and then uh, chow mein. We yeah. didn't do chow mein. Yeah. Kimberly looks so disgusted right now. I want pot. Oh, we got too full. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's we're... not plan to record an episode that day. That's just a fun day. Yeah. We're just going to eat too much food. Pot... Mm-hmm. Did you say pot stickers? I want oh, hell pot stickers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can do pot stickers. And I need spring rolls, too. Yeah. And crab wontons. <laughs> We're going to... Our tummies are going to hurt. Get some... Uh, what was that? Szechuan chicken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no entrees. But... I, I already know we're going to backslide into an entree. <laughs> I can feel it. Um, so all this talk about Chinese New Year. Do you want to learn some facts? I would love some facts. Okay, here we go. Chinese New Year fact. There's no set date for Chinese New Year. How do I know when to celebrate? It's just, you got to know. You got to know people who know people. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so Chinese New Year ranges from January 21st to February 20th. Oh, it's floating. It's a floating. Just kind of how you said Easter was on your birthday sometimes. You, yeah, we really did not believe me. No. Yeah, Easter's on my birthday sometimes. Yeah. So you say. I mean, that's my <laughs> life. <laughs> um. So Chinese New Year is a day for praying to the gods and fighting off monsters. There's money in envelopes, right? Yeah. And then there's dragons. I remember like San Francisco does it. Like, yeah. They go big. <gasps> Ooh, that'd be fun. Like parades in the yeah, streets. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone out to see it, but I should. <gasps> Scrap this. We're going down to San Francisco. Ooh. Next Saturday. We got to figure this out. That's quick. <laughs> I think I work the day before and the day after. This will be. It'll be fine. We'll just bloop, 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 bloop. Um, the most fireworks are set off in the world at that, like that night for Chinese New Year. Because it's global. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like 4th of July. Where you're, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and then what was that? I was reading one-sixth of the world's uh, population celebrate celebrates Chinese New Year. Dang. Isn't that crazy? What, what is the percentage of the population of China? What do you... Is it one-sixth? What? There's a lot of people in China. That's my point. 
Yeah, yeah. And then there's a lot of also Chinese practicing out throughout the world. Yeah, yeah. So the one-sixth of the world's population. I get it. But I think a lot of people live in China. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I got no hard numbers for you. (laughs) Um, Oh, interesting. So if you're single, it's common to hire a fake boyfriend or girlfriend to take home for Chinese New Year. That's fun. Isn't that crazy? Imagine that being your job. I think I'd be really good at it. Oh, my God. I'm really good with parents. I feel like, so remember how we were talking about I could have a, well, all right, a sugar daddy. But I like, <laughs> <laughs> like how you checked yourself. Like, yeah, I'll say it. Um, but like, I don't want to need the physical thing. I essentially You want don't someone, really want a sugar daddy. I just want someone to give me money. <laughs> I'll go to dinner with them. I love food. <laughs> like you I, just don't want the other part of the expectations exactly yeah so i feel like and i don't really want to be a cuddler because i don't really want to cuddle anyone i yeah. think i could pull it off for you like just a want a sponsor theater. really you want a life sponsor yes yeah hell yeah i'll bet it's a thing yeah i yeah i'll bet it's difficult to convince that sponsor there's no other part to sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> just my witty personality <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll play vr games with you so essentially what i'm saying is i'm real fun <laughs> agreed <laughs> um okay i got one more fact for you there is no showering sweeping or throwing out of garbage allowed during chinese new year because in their in their minds it's like throwing you could w- throw away the bad luck oh. or no sorry the good luck <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. um but there is a day before chinese new year where it's a whole dedicated uh, day dedicated to cleaning so you get all your cleaning so done. you're freshly clean mm-hmm. you got on nice duds uh-huh. your house isn't a mess mm-hmm. and also another taboo thing is um you don't want to have your haircut before february 2nd oh no so you gotta like you gotta plan your haircut i've already done it <gasps> wait nope that was last year mm. how many times a year do you get your haircut what are the rules because i got my haircut uh-huh. when did i get my haircut november december when am I allowed to get my hair cut next year so that I'm it's not like in trouble? It's like way after Labor Day. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I no. just worry about this luck business. Um, you also can't use scissors, knives, and other sharp things. Um, you can't argue or swear. And saying unlucky words such as death and sickness, not allowed. And you can't break things. So a murder podcast that's celebrating Chinese New Year and we can't talk about death. Oh. Uh-oh. So on Saturday. Don't listen to this on Saturday. <laughs> Listen to it on Monday when it comes out. Listen to it fresh. Yeah. But before the Chinese New Year. Yes. Oops. Anywho, those are my Chinese New Year facts. I like them. Yay. I feel like I have to kind of change up that day a little bit. I would have done so many of those things. I know. I like playing with scissors and arguing and swearing and talking about death. (laughs) (laughs) Playing with scissors? Not just using them, but playing with them? Uh I like how that's specifically called out. I stand by what I said. Yeah. Well, you read it, so... All right. Well, I'm done. Okay. I'm going to tell you how to make this cocktail. <laughs> Woo! What's our cocktail again? It is the Orange Blossom cocktail. Hell yeah. All right. So we made the one uh, from Liquor.com. Mm-hmm. Shout out Liquor.com. Thanks, Liquor.com. It's not like we're looking for a sponsor or nothing. Okay. So the recipe that we tried was an ounce of gin, an ounce of sweet vermouth, an ounce of orange juice, and then we put the orange oil garnish in there. Mm-hmm. Or blood orange, if that's all you got. Or if you don't. <laughs> if that's what Drea bought. Or if you don't know what the difference is when you're at the grocery store, because they look the same. They do. On you just got to read the little, probably chalkboard, masking tapey writing. Yeah. Um, okay, so the cocktail that we made, what would you say about that one? No. <laughs> I thought it was all right. Again, not one I would order. 100% would never order. But I order. finished it. You chugged it. I didn't want to drink it anymore. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was bad. What do you think was bad about it? I think we used uh, Tanqueray Gym, with, which we're not fans of. Yeah. And we ran out of we ran out of New Basin Stagger Gin. I know. I think it would have been a lot better with the Stagger Gin. I agree. And then I don't know that I love sweet vermouth. I don't... You don't like Campari? I don't, I don't like Campari. And you don't like sweet vermouth. I think I'm not into sweet... I think I like dry vermouth. Like, mm-hmm. I like martinis. Yeah. So I think that was my issue with it. Because I can drink, like, I've had gin and juice before mm-hmm. a long time ago. And I remember thinking it was fine. Yeah. Well, like, our friend Erin was over and she tried it. And she's like, well, this tastes like a stale Skittle. <laughs> Which was a, an apt description of yes, it. I thought yes. that was very appropriate. 100%. And then we're like, well, maybe bubbles would, like, make it better. It just made more of it. It just it got stronger. Yeah. And it was terrifying. Yeah. So 
then there's other, so this is other ways you can make the orange blossom cocktail. So this is from Wikipedia and it says, it's a cocktail with gin, orange juice, and orange liqueur, mm. grenadine, oh. and lime juice. I think I would like that one better. Usually in a highball or martini glass. Alternatively, it can be made with gin, sweet vermouth, and orange juice is the other way they put it in there. So I would think maybe a little bit of that, like, what do you call it? Uh, what's her bucket? The gal. Little good ship lollipop. Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little bit of that Shirley Temple grenadine mixed in. Like, I think yeah. that might be better. Even if I knew what you were talking about, I would not have helped you because that was, <laughs> that was great. Uh, let's see if there's any other... So the vermouth is supposed to take out some of the acidity of the taste. I don't know that I would agree with that. Another variation uses mandarin-flavored vodka, chilled fresh orange juice, orange liqueur, orange flower water. You ever had orange flower water? No. Mm-mm. Sounds fancy. <laughs> Mm-mm. Chilled champagne or sparkling wine. Oh, that's where the bubbles are So what I gather from this is there's a million ways you could make it, and it's kind of yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Um, if you guys have a better recipe, hit us up on our Instagram or shoot us an email at killercocktailspodcast.com and maybe we can make this better. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into this episode. Oh, I don't have anything ready. I thought we were just talking about the cocktail. Oh, no. Just kidding. I have a writer. You're going <laughs> to go first. I think Henry's temple started a pulse. <laughs> She's like, I will kill you. Okay. So I'm going to go first. I am so sorry. My story is so long. <laughs> Yours are always really long when mine are really short. Yeah. It just tends to work out that way. It's nice. Might have been long for a while. Okay, so I'm going to cite my references, Wikipedia, You're My Man Blue. Yay, yay. Yay, yay. This article by Catherine uh, Ramsland. Uh, She's a writer, or she had an article on Crime Library, and um, the article is called Number 10, Relington Place. Relington? Relington Place. R-I-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. Sure. Billington. Anywho, let's jump in. I'm going to tell you about John. Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reginald Halliday Christie. Lots of names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So John is born on April 8th of 1899. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's raised in Halifax, which... Um, Nova Scotia. It, nope. Oh. Uh, which is uh, which was a county in uh, West Riding of Yorkshire. Oh, How- we got some fans. However, Uh-oh. now it is considered to be the county of East Riding of Yorkshire. Interesting. Now you can talk to our fans. Well, that's all. I just, I see you. I see you, <laughs> Riding of Yorkshire. Yeah, we have a uh, big listenership out there. Thank you, guys. Yeah, real big. Real big. Um, so John is unfortunately abused by his father while growing up, and his mother and sisters are very domineering. And when John is eight years old, his grandfather dies, and he goes to his grandfather's open casket. And in life, his grandfather wasn't the nicest man. And he sees his grandfather lying there, and he's like, oh, you look so relaxed and peaceful. Like, death suits you, kind of, like, in his little eight-year-old brain. Oh, okay. Um, and so he starts getting this, like, curiosity towards death. And he um, starts hanging down at the local uh, cemetery, and he takes a special, as an eight year old. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. And he takes a special. Um. Or he takes special interest in um the coffins that house the children, and like with the earth changing and just like earthquakes and stuff and like coffins coming dislodged, sometimes they'd crack open. And so he took to like looking into the cracks so he could try to see their bodies. Wait, 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 wait. Why are there bodies above ground that are cracking that he can look in? I mean, have you ever, like, when you go to Argentina, they have their graveyards above. Like, they uh, call it, not coliseums, what are those things? I know what you mean. Mausoleums. Boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're right, you're right. Yeah. It's not how I was envisioning it. (laughs) He was just digging them up. (laughs) No, but they were just like, yeah. What I was imagining <laughs> doesn't make sense. Okay, perfect. Um, so by the age of 11, John wins um, a scholarship uh, to Halifax Secondary School. And he's super good at math and algebra. And um, later it would be determined that he has an IQ of 128. And so 140 is considered genius. So mm-hmm. he's definitely but high he's above average. smarty. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also sings in the choir and he becomes a scout. Um, but he's very unpopular with his classmates. I wonder why. Um, By the time John is in his early teens, you know, and so during this time, he also starts associating sex with death and dominance and violence. And he, uh, he's like a senior in high school. 
Mm, yeah, almost. Ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he realizes in order to get to completion, he needs kind of like all these other things happening. To the uh. puzzle. Yeah. Um, he also becomes a hypochondriac and a hysteric, and he oft- often exaggerates or fakes illness to get attention. Okay. Um, John then leaves school in 1913, and when he's 15 years old, and be- uh, oh, so when he's 15 years old, and then he becomes an assistant movie projectionist. Hmm. Yeah. And then World War One hits, and John is enlisted um, into the army, and during an attack, um, he gets hit with mustard gas, and he tells the nurses, like, I've been blinded, I can't go out anymore, oh, like, okay. I need to be taken care of. However, there's no real report that he was blinded. Got it. Um, and he also, during this time, lost his voice, and he actually remained silent for over three years. Mm-hmm. F- um, okay. Oh, is he just, like, a really committed phony baloney? Mm-hmm. I think, like, because it sounds like his sisters and his mother were, you know, kind of dominating and they didn't give him a lot of attention. His father's being abusive. So I think if he can get love and attention for somewhere else, okay. that's what he's going to do. Um, and so um, the physicians, again, were like, this can't be determined if this is true or not. I think he just went silent. Um, so after the war, John marries 22-year-old Ethel Waddington on May 10th of 1920. However, their marriage isn't the best, and John isn't able to perform sexually within their marriage, so he starts seeing sex workers on the side. Uh, hmm. four, four years later, they separate, and John moves to London, and Ethel goes to live with some relatives. And over the next decade, John is convicted of numerous petty crimes, such as serving three months in jail for stealing mail while working as a mailman, nine months in jail for theft, six months hard labor, labor for assaulting a sex worker, and three months imprisonment for stealing a car from a priest he knew. Dang. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow he reconciles with Ethel during this time. And after he's released from jail um, in November 1933, they like get back together. Um, but he's still about that criminal lifestyle. And he also keeps having sex with sex workers on the side. Um, and his sexual fantasies are kind of getting more and more They're robust. Amping up. Uh-huh. Um, in December of 1938, John and his wife move, move into the ground floor apartment of 10 Rillington Place in the Ladbrook Grove neighborhood of Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Oopsie daisy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and within days, John is hit by a car. And he's hospitalized. And when he's released, he starts to have really bad hypochondria. And then he's like, okay. oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah. Every, the sky's falling. Um, he stays home a lot, and he visits two doctors for a total of 173 times over the course of 15 years. Oh, okay. Which I did the math is like 12 times a year, but still, that's more than normal. Mm-hmm. And then World War II hits, and John signs up as a volunteer member of the War Reserve Police. So he's part of the like local police chapter, okay. and he really loves the power of being a police officer, and he loves wearing his uniform, and he starts using his power to follow women around mm-hmm. the neighborhood and to watch his neighbors. Um, he even makes a peephole in his kitchen door so he can, like, look out on the the street while his neighbors are doing stuff. Um, and he, like, becomes really anal about the law. He's like, did you just jaywalk? Like, we need to talk about it. Like, that's Ugh. not what you're supposed to be doing. Did you have a kid at your high school who wanted to be a police officer who was, like, a junior cop? Was, was that a, a was that a thing for you guys? I was a conflict manager. <laughs> That's not what I was talking about. <laughs> you just wanted pizza. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I like that you signed up for things so that you'd get one pizza party at the end of the year. <laughs> I love pizza. No, but there was like I feel like multiple years there were kids that had this like connection to the police department that would like wear polo shirts that said and they were just really uptight kids. Mm, we had ROTC guys. Yeah, we, that, that was more college when that came oh. to be. Yeah, that was like in high school around. Interesting. Oh, because oh, yeah. you were near a military base. No? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a military base back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> so he's being uptight. He's being uptight. Um, and his wife at this point is like going to see family a lot. And so she's out of town. And John begins an affair with a woman working at the police station. And her husband um, at the time is a soldier in World War II. So they're both without okay. their spouses. Uh, the relationship lasts until December 1943 when her husband comes home and finds them in bed together. Uh-oh. And he beats up John. Yeah. And so John's like, you know what? 
I'm done. I'm going to have to quit the police force. I need to get away from this situation. Mm -hmm. So, um... In the meantime, John meets this other woman named Ruth Fierist, and one night they are having sex, and he starts to strangle her during sex, mm-hmm. and he kills her, and Ruth becomes John's... That escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ruth becomes John's first victim in August of 1943. Okay. So then in October of 1944, he murders a work colleague, uh, Muriel uh, Amelia Eddy, by promising to cure, cure her bronchitis with a special mixture. Um, and this special special mixture has Cement. like <laughs> domestic like gas, which has carbon monoxide in it. So he's just like, yeah, oh my goodness, just just drink this, and everything will be better. Um, you'll be dead. That's yeah. Fine. Um, so when Muriel takes it, she passes out, and then John chokes her until she dies, and then he um, has sex with her post mortem. Yikes. Um, he then buries her near Ruth in his building's communal garden. So a little bit more about this house. So it's this small Victorian house, and it's located against a factory wall. Okay. So we're Notting Hill, the small little Victorian house, and every level has a different like uh, family living there. Okay. And so. They also share this communal garden in the back. So he's, like, going out into this communal garden and just, like, burying bodies. This is crazy. Um, And so in April of 19... 19- I try to think, oh, like, yeah. how... Mm-hmm. In every story that we tell, when someone's getting rid of a body... Uh-huh. Isn't it obvious when someone's dealing with a body? If you saw... They're big and heavy. I know, but think about this. If you see someone struggling, oh, we're not good examples. But I feel like the common person is like, no, my brain is not even going to think. Yeah. We're not even going to go there. They Couldn't be that. Yeah. It's just a really big dog they're getting rid of. Or I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Something crazy. That's a mannequin. It's crazy, though, to think just in his backyard, in this little communal garden, he's dumping bodies. Yeah. yeah it's back in the day, you know. Okay. All right. I'll accept that as a, as a reason. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in April of 1948, a man named Tim- Timothy Evans and his pregnant wife, Beryl, move into... Her name is Beryl? B-E-R-Y-L. Beryl. Oh, okay. Beryl. Um, they move into this lovely house. Um, on October 10th, Beryl gives birth to a daughter whom they name um, Gerilyn. Gerilyn? Ger- oh, no. G-E-R-A-L-D-I-N-E. Little baby Jerry. Little baby Jerry. I didn't know this was going to be a spelling contest. (laughs) (laughs) I was not prepared. Um, So they have this baby girl. And then in November of 1949, Beryl becomes pregnant again. And they're just like, we can't afford another baby. What are we going to do? And somehow John, you know, here's wind of this. Or they're talking to John. They're confiding in him. And John's like, I'm not one to brag but i have this special concoction that could give an abortion kind of like what i gave my co-worker to help her bronchitis oh whoa yeah spoiler alert it's poison yeah um and so they're the like abortion comes along with dying mm-hmm yes and so oh yeah um was and, my guess yeah and so at this time in england uh, abortions are le- illegal mm-hmm. so they're like this is the, the only way we can see like out of this situation Okay, so on November 8th, John uses his homemade gas creation to incapacitate Beryl, and he then strangles her and rapes her post-mortem. Mm. So in the meantime, Timothy is at work, um, and so that night he gets back from work, and he's like, John, like, how did how'd it, it go? go? And John's like, oh, I'm so sorry. She didn't make it smell through. Smell this rag. Does it smell weird to you? <laughs> oh, my God. Does it smell like chloroform? <laughs> um, she didn't make it through the procedure, so we, we need to get rid of her body. Um, because again, this is crazy. Yeah, because like again, abortion. We're is in illegal. the 40s right now. 1940s. Uh huh. Okay. Um, John then convinces convinces Timothy to stay with a relative in Wales and to leave his baby girl behind. And he's like, "You just need to remove yourself from this situation, and I'll take care I got of everything." You, bro. Uh huh. Um, and then Timothy returns several times to ask about uh Gerald dying, and uh, John is like, "No, no, no, it's fine. You don't need to see her. You need to get out of here." Um, on November 30th of 1949, Timothy finally goes to police and he says that he accidentally killed Beryl. He's racked with guilt. Mm-hmm, by giving her something contained in a bottle that a man had given him to help like abort their unborn baby. And then he had to get rid of her body in a sewer drain. And he told the police that after arranging for John to watch his baby, he had gone to Wales. And now John's not giving his baby back. And um, the police... Um, go out to this storm drain he talked about. I didn't about. catch this whole baby business. I forgot they had another kid. Uh-huh. So there's a... He's baby napped Yeah, now. every time I've been saying baby... I kept thinking it was the unborn baby. <laughs> no, That's no, no, where no. my mind went. Mm-hmm. 
Geraldine. Yeah. Um, so police are like, okay, let's go to the sewer drain. Let's see what's going on. Let's see if we can find her body. And they go to this drain and they're like, there's no way this one man could have gotten this storm drain up by himself. Somebody should like oh. had to have helped him. Um, so when he's re-questioned, Timothy says that John had offered to provide an abortion for Beryl and Timothy had returned home from work and he found her dead. Yeah. He said that John then disposed of the body and made arrangements for, so, uh, for some people to look after his uh, baby girl while he laid low. Um, during a search of the um, house on December 2nd, 1949, the police find the bodies of Beryl and Geraldine um, hidden in the wash house in the back garden and both had been strangled. Yikes. Um, during his interrogation, <clears throat> Timothy confesses to killing his wife and his daughter. However, there's a lot of speculation that the police fed him yeah. um, what to say. Yeah. And he kept, and they kept him there for like hours. And so he was under distress. So standard, standard operating, operating procedures for long uh, <laughs> interrogations. Uh, for back then. Yeah. Uh, you know. And so Timothy later recanted his testimony and the case went to trial, which began on January 11th, 1950. And John is actually a key witness for the prosecution. This is ridiculous. Uh, and Timothy is found guilty two days later. Wow. And the jury took only 40 minutes to come to this decision. And after a failed appeal on February 20th, Timothy is hung. Hanged? Hanged. He They say hanged it doesn't sound right, but hanged. that's what they say. He's hanged <laughs> on March 9th, 1950. Whoa. Yeah. Swift justice. Yes. Wow. And that's the end of Timothy's story. So back to I was, John. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> um so John at this point is fired from his job from the post office. I you say he's fired up. He got away with it. <laughs> the post office savings bank, actually. Um and the reason why he was fired is because during this trial, all of his past, like, crimes came out, like, all oh. the petty stuff. And they're like, dude, you can't, you can't work here. Yeah, get out of here. Uh, so John becomes very depressed. He loses 28 pounds. You know, woe is him. Um, he remains unemployed until August 1950 when he finds a clerical position with the British Road Transport Services. Um, he, stays, he stays there until about December 6th of 1952 when he suddenly resigns. <clears throat> John tells his boss and his neighbors that he had found a job in Sheffield and that he would be leaving London to move there with his wife, Ethel, earlier in the new year. But then people were like, hey, John, where's your wife? Yeah, you keep talking about this wife. And he's like, oh, oh she's already moved on. She goes to a different school. You <laughs> <laughs> found who did. Um, she's already gone in Sheffield and she's getting the new house ready. And... Um, but what had really happened is John killed his wife. Surprising. Uh-huh. In bed on the morning of um, December 14th, 1952. Um, and the day after he had murdered her, he altered the date of a letter she had written on the 10th to the 15th, mm. explaining that they had run out of envelopes, so he had sent the letter from work. And so he's like, oh, yes, you know Ethel. Crafty fellow. Yeah. <clears throat> um, on December 16th, he takes his wife's wedding ring to the jeweler, jeweler and he sells that. Uh -oh. And he just starts... That seems troublesome. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> he, like, sells her watch and her, her wedding band. And he keeps writing letters to uh, her sister. And um, he claims that um, Ethel's um, arthritis is preventing her from write, writing letters. So now he's, like, taking over the writing portion. Um. And he's like, oh, you know, she's not doing well in health, but... We love each other. Um, on January 8th, 1953, John sells most of the furniture in their house. If you haven't heard from me in a while, I, you need to demand proof of life. I'm finding Travis. Picture me with a <laughs> like a newspaper. Uh -huh. We need pretty consistent proof of life. Okay. I'm not just going to go off into the ether, ether for a little bit. Yeah. I feel like you've never ghosted me that hard. I haven't. Okay. I'm not a ghoster. <laughs> I can't think of the opposite of a ghost. A live person. <laughs> True. Okay. Um, so he's selling all this furniture, but he keeps three chairs, a kitchen table, and a mattress to sleep on. And then on February 2nd, he forges his wife's signature on a bank account and empties it. He's like, I'm getting out of here. And after early February, John stops answering letters, uh, letters from Ethel's relatives. And so John finally moves out of 10 Rillington Place on March 20th of 1953. And he has um, this new couple move in. He didn't. He doesn't tell the landlord. He just, just gets like, a subletter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, it's all in the up and up. Just move in. It's mm -hmm. fine. Um, but then the landlord finds out and he's like, what? Landlords aren't about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're like, who is this? Who are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Get out. So he kicks them out. 
And in the meantime, there's like another resident at the Ringlington place. And he's like, you could take over John's old apartment. Like, I got to renovate it a little bit. So it's fine. Um, And at the same time, John is staying at King's Cross Routon House, which is like a hotel. And he uses his real name and his address. So he's not, I don't know what he's doing with his life, but he's not being smart. (laughs) Um, So the landlord let this guy move in and the guy's like, you know what? It kind of smells really bad in here. (laughs) And it's like really like kind of run down. So I'm going to spruce it up a little bit and I'm going to put this nice shelf up over here. And so he starts to knock on the wall to find a stud and he finds this weird section that like sounds hollow. And he's like, oh, that's weird. So he starts pulling away at some of the wallpaper and he finds a door, but it's stuck shut. Wallpapered over a door? Uh Uh-huh. And so he shines a light through a crack in the door and then he sees what kind of looks like a human back. So he immediately calls the police and he's like, blah, 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 blah. I think there's a dead body in here. Get over here. And when they arrive, they open the door and they find a woman's body sitting, leaning forward with her back to them. They then see something big behind her and it's wrapped in a blanket. What is it? So they pull out at the blanket and they realize it's another woman's body. And she had been placed head first into the wall so that she was upside down. So I think he was like hoisting her. Yeah. And just kind of like alley-ooped her in. And she like went head first. crazy. Okay. So first body out. Second body on the head out. They then see another large object wrapped in a blanket. Can you guess what it was? Twister. Drywall. Just kidding. It was another dead body. Oh, my God. Um, and she had been placed upside down in the wall as well. Who are these ladies? I'll tell you. So as they are unwrapping the women, they can see that they have been tied up and strangled. And so they keep searching the house. And then they notice some loose floor blo- floorboards. So they pull them up and find. No. Bodies? Another dead body. Ew. Mm-hmm. That dude. Think about how long I would have lived in that house ah! without my sense of smell. Oh my gosh. Think about it. Ooh, and we would have come over and we would have been polite, but like, oh my you God, Jackie like, Jackie's, Jackie's house smells <laughs> terrible. I'm so overly conscious about like when I have people over to my house, I'm like, I will never know if my house smells like I'm on it Ugh. to make it not smell because I don't know. Well, I didn't want to tell you. But... And there's no, And there's no dead bodies. <laughs> There's no dead bodies there. You sure? I don't think so. You just, you know, got your hobbit hole clean. I yeah, out. I've gone into all the nooks and crannies, <sighs> other than like behind wallpaper into walls. <laughs> but is it a closet? It is. <laughs> okay, so there's bodies everywhere. Do they hit the floor? <laughs> Sorry, that was really good. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so we have now another body under the floorboards. This is Ethel, John's wife. Oh. She is not waiting for him, making no. a new house in this new town. Mm-mm. She doesn't have arthritis. No, 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 no. Uh, so they la- later identify the first three women found in... Ladies the, of the night? In the closet. Um, they could be, yeah. Um, oh, first name is Hectorina McLennan. She's 26. Kathleen um, Maloney, she's 26. And Rita Nelson is also... Oh, she's 25. I was going to say, yeah. 26 is a dangerous <laughs> year around this guy. Um, and Tess would later reveal that they all had carbon monoxide in their bodies, and some had been sexually assaulted, and um, they had all been strangled to death. Interesting. So police continue their search, and they find a man's suit under a floor of the common area, uh, which had been open during the time of the Evans murders. So they're like, okay, this one was open during construction, like, this could have been John's suit and he could put it in here to like get rid of some of his like uh, clothes that he'd been wearing oh, okay. when he got rid of their bodies. Um, in the kitchen cupboard uh, was a man's tie and it was tied into a reef knot, which matched the knots used on the women found in the wall. Oh, they also found potassium cyanide in another area of the apartment in a, <laughs> no, <sighs> in a tobacco tin. I liked it. <laughs> This is a drinking podcast. Okay, a tobacco tin that contained four clumps of pubic hair. 
Mm. None of which came from the bodies found in the kitchen. No, there's other bodies. Ow. I hate it. Um, So what you're telling me is they're finding all sorts of evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. Police also searched the garden, that communal garden. There's bodies there. Where they found a human femur in plain view holding up a wooden fence. Get out of here. Uh Everyone's just like, that's from a cow. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) Oh, Betsy. (laughs) Wow. Uh And there were uh, more bones were found in the flower beds and some blackened skull bones with teeth and pieces of a dress turned up in a dustbin. Um, More bones were also found beneath an orange. He's hit this point where they're just like, it's Mm -hmm. overflowing Mm -hmm. from his life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is crazy. So, um, like I was saying, there's bones also found beneath an orange blossom bush in the garden. Oh, you were upset that I interrupted your time. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, this is a weird rewind. Nice tie, Dre. Thank <laughs> kind you. of perfect. In case you guys didn't catch it, because Jackie was interrupted so, it. <laughs> so excited. Um, my tied to the orange blossom cocktail is an orange blossom bush very on point thank you far more on point than my bubbles in a champagne (laughs) (laughs) that one really bugs you (laughs) um okay so they determined that there were two female bodies in the garden even though that they could only find one skull and so altogether there were six bodies found at this house um and then they're like okay we got to find john where is this dude um and then john's like oh oh they went to the house they're gonna find that femur that yeah. was holding up i shouldn't the- have put my forwarding address <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i shouldn't have used my real name and so he's like wandering around london and he's like sleeping on park benches and finally the police come upon him and they're like john <laughs> hey john you, you old so-and-so come with us um and it was weird he had his like id card on him he had his ration book and his like union card he had all this like you know stuff official things that make him identify Uh uh-huh and he also had a newspaper clipping about timothy evans oh john Mm, john so the next day john is charged with uh his wife's murder and then on april 15th he's charged with murdering the three women found in his home like in the mm-hmm. closet um and then while in prison john confesses to murdering all the women found in his cellar as well as barrel and john's trial begins on june 22nd 1953 in the same court where timothy had been tried oh timothy's already dead right uh-huh yeah he was hanged yeah <laughs> Um, however, he's only tried for the murder of his wife. This is John. So John pleads insanity and claims to have a poor memory of the events. He's, he's like, like, dude, I'm nuts. <laughs> Obviously, I'm nuts. Yeah. I've got the vapors. Um, the jury uh, rejects the plea. And after 22 minutes. Yeah, these juries are uh-huh. getting work done here in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find him guilty of murdering his wife. And on June 29th, John says that he would not appeal against the death sentence. And some tried to postpone the execution so that John could talk more about the earlier murders. But the prime minister was like, no. Yeah, get rid of this guy. (laughs) Uh, And so John is hanged um, on the same gallows as Timothy. Poetic. Mm -hmm. And then there's some uh, controversy. 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 Yeah. Um, Whether... Like, if John actually killed Beryl and the baby, uh, um, Geraldine, or if Timothy did kill, like, one of them. I think John killed all of them. He's yeah. a nutso. He's and a nutso, like, but so. What are the odds that two murderers would be living in the same house? But anyways. I was, mean, coincidences are coincidences, but. Yeah. But they um, ended up uh, leveling that house. And, um, you know, it's Notting Hill, so things have been built up around it. Oh. But they have not built anything on that plot of land really mm-hmm. and it's a park oh yeah because they kind of saw it as a house of horrors oh but there's also some bodies still down there no oh, i hate it yeah so that's the details wild ride yeah yeah he was a bad dude bad mamma jamma people ate food from that garden oh you know that happened just like my friend ate oranges from that backyard <gasps> Yeah. What mm-hmm. was her name? Ty Ty. No, 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 no. <laughs> no <I'm> not my <laughs> friend. <laughs> I don't remember that old lady's name. Yeah, you know. Dorothea. Dorothea Puente. Yes, 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 yes. Sacramento mm-hmm. old lady. 
Yeah. Uh, we did that for the painkiller episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was 22? Sure. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's gross. My friend ate those oranges. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. That is so creepy. Yeah. I can't. Oh, that old lady like invited her into their house and was like, check out my Halloween decorations. Uh, mm-hmm. surprise they're real yeah <laughs> they're dead bodies <laughs> um okay guys that wraps up my story we're gonna take a short break we're gonna listen to our sponsors spoiler alert it's, it's us it's us again <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back hey guys it's me jared <laughs> <laughs> What? I was trying to make it seem like someone else was doing our mid-roll. Oh, <laughs> hey guys, came up with the name Jared. Yeah. Hey guys, it's me, Drea. It's Jackie. Fooled you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, I have been working on our website. It's kind of revamped. You showed me this morning. I really know. cool. Yeah. Um, so earlier when I said the donate button was to the far left, now it's like front and center. Mm, you can't miss Mm-mm. it. It's like, hey. What you doing? Are you yeah, donate. Give me a little click. See how it feels. Um, we are asking for donations if you have the means to. We are trying to get some new microphones. We're trying to make the show better and better. We have a growing bar bill that we need to pay off. True that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can head over there and click the donate button. You could do a dollar, five dollars. I think Jackie mentioned a million dollars if you have it. You could. Um, but if you don't have any money. Which we know what that's like. Oh, yeah. I live that life daily. Take that hot second. Pay mm. me in your time. Mm. And throw a couple stars on there. Put on little, where? On, on iTunes reviews. Hell, yeah. Get in there. Put some words. Mm. Be a wordsmith. Yeah. Tell me in words what you like about this podcast. Yeah. Or what you don't like, I guess it's I mean, fine, keep too. that to yourself, but... <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you guys don't have the means to give us money, totally understand. It's still ha- reviews and stars seriously help. On iTunes, yeah. Um, thank you so much for... All my friends right now that are listening that oh. have not done it. You know me personally. <laughs> Get on there and throw some stars and a review. Please and thank you. <laughs> tai Tai, thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously guys, it means so much that you guys have been listening for this long. For sure. Um, we definitely saw a spike in numbers when we came back, so we're feeling the love and thank you. Alright. Story time? Back to the stories. Alright, Drea. What's up, Jackie? I'm going to try and just tell you the story from memory. Ooh. Yeah. I'm gonna pull this up to make sure I get the name right. Uh-huh. Because I don't want to mess <laughs> the name up. Okay, perfect. Alright, so I'm gonna tell you, and this is a kind of I think if people listen to podcasts, this is a pretty famous story, and you might have heard it. Mm-hmm. So, but you the don't Menendez know. Brothers. But you don't know names. No. <laughs> so, I'll probably get at least a little way into the story before you go. Oh yeah, I know this one. Oh, perfect. Um, most of my stuff. So, grab stuff off of like Wikipedia. Um, and I listen to. Has Tim at work told you about the podcast uh, Generation Y? W H Y. Nope. It's really good. Yeah. So he'd been telling me about it for a while. And then when I was looking up this story, there was an episode that they did on Generation Y. So I was like, oh, two birds with one stone. I get to learn some stuff from this podcast. And I also get to hear this podcast that's been recommended to me. Really great. Nice. So not only for this story alone, get more info listening to those guys. And is it episodic or one episode? They'll do, I think, a different story each episode is what it looks like. Okay. Um, And the way theirs is structured at least the one that I listen to, it's both of them research the same story mm. and they just kind of fill in the gaps with each other mm-hmm. telling the story. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you about Kevin Green. Okay. Ringing a bell? Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, I believe, so 1970 is kind of when this is going to take place, September 30th, uh, 1970. So you've got this guy, David, who's married to a woman They've been married for about six months. She is uber pregnant. Mm -hmm. She's past nine months. Okay. Ready for this baby to be out of her. Oh, that sucks. But he also, and I think it's a little baby girl, and he also, his ex-wife is pregnant with his baby girl. Oh, okay. So there's just kind of like overlap and Mm -hmm. time. And he and his new wife, so they've been married for six months, tumultuous. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, on September 30th, so on the night of this event, 
neighbors hear them arguing. It's not abnormal to hear them fighting and arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. So on this night, she's super pregnant. They're fighting with each other. It kind of escalates. He has a record of um, he has once before, I think, slapped her, like open hand oh slapped her. Uh-huh. Um, so it's escalating. It's not physical yet. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go get some J and the B. I'm going to get out of here. I'm gonna J- Sorry, what? Jack in the box. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's like, I'm going to get some Bergs and that's going to calm me down. So he leaves. And tacos. this is according to him. So yeah. according to Mr. Green, he leaves the apartment. He's headed to get some burgers. He says that he sees a strange out of place person in the parking lot of their apartment building mm-hmm. who's over by a black van. Uh-huh. And like he just takes notice of him. But at the same time, he's kind of like, it's not weird that he's there. He's like, I just I remember seeing him. I just remember it like stuck with me for a hot minute mm-hmm. but then the guy like gets in his car or starts the car and he's like okay so like he just was hanging around because it's late it's like a little after one in the morning mm-hmm. so he takes and he's like well you know whatever so then there's a jack-in-the-box across the street super close mm, that's dangerous <laughs> for your waistline <laughs> but it's got a long line uh-huh. and he's like mm, i don't want to wait in that line i'm gonna drive 15 minutes away what to a different jack-in-the-box. Nope. So he drives to this other jack-in-the-box. I call BS. He gets himself some burgers. Uh-huh. He comes back. Uh-huh. So he's gone for about 30 minutes. Hmm. When he comes back, he sees his wife. She's been sexually assaulted and bludgeoned in the head. Oh, my gosh. He th- He thinks that she's been shot in the head. What? Because of the way the... One of the wounds looks on her forehead. Okay. So he calls 911 and he's like, my wife has been shot. She's pregnant. All this stuff. He's in hysterics. Yeah, she's in the house. Okay. So then police come and the first detective on scene thinks that she's been shot in the head. Oh my God. Like that's how brutally this happened. So then she's in a coma for I think like three weeks or so. She's in a coma for a while. She comes out of the coma. She loses the baby. (gasps) This is all in California. This is in um, Orange County. Okay. Oh, I see what you did there. I was like, why are you saying Orange County is so weird? You know what Orange County is. This is is down in Tustin. It's in Orange County. So So my tie to the Orange Blossom drink is Orange County. That's good. Good job. Better than the bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) There was less of a a reach. Yeah. So uh, she wakes up from her coma and she... But she, like, can't see out of one eye. She can't smell. Oh she can't hear very well. Um, she has no, she has aphasia. So she has no recollection of what happened to her. And police are super on him and yeah. everyone else in her life. And they're like, do not tell her what happened. Do not plant memories. It is incredibly important oh. that nothing, because anything you say to her yeah. will become a memory. So is he and allowed- she will think it's real. Is he allowed to see her at all? He's allowed to see her, Ugh. but he has to be incredibly careful about what he says. Mm. And everyone does. Her mom has to be careful. Like, everybody has to be careful. So there's proof that he went to that other jack-in-the-box? There's a receipt, uh-huh. and the warm food was there when police came. Mm. Highly doubt it was still warm. They specifically say in the, like, paperwork that it's warm. 15 minutes away? Yeah. Mm. I mean, he called as soon as he got home, mm. and he has a receipt, a time-stamped receipt. Mm-hmm. You're calling bullshit. Yeah. You're, you're, you're skeptical. All right. Can you imagine going to Jack? I know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah. But can you imagine, say he did this to his wife, mm-hmm. and then you have to go to Jack in the Box and order food, like a, a sane person that hasn't just mm-hmm. murdered somebody for an alibi? That's insane. People do it. Ugh. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So... Then three months maybe go by. I'm I'm off in this timeline. Mm-hmm. Not that much time goes by. Mm-hmm. And her memory starts coming back. Okay. And she, so the a rape kit is performed. Okay. And we're back in 1970, so we're not super high tech with this. So right now all they know is that the spermatozoa is oneg. Okay. And he's Oneg. Okay. And he says, well, we had sex that night. 
consensual sex. That's my wife. Mm -hmm. We had sex. And everyone's like, but you also fought? And your neighbors heard you fighting? And he's like, yeah, both those things happened. Yeah. So they performed the rape kit. And and so there's other things to indicate that she was raped. Yes. Okay. And the so the rape kit comes back positive and it's own egg sperm. Yeah. So then um, she starts to get like memories start kind of coming back. And you can debate whether that's actual memories coming back or piecing things together from stories or, yeah. When he was su- oh, when he was there visiting, he wasn't supervised with her. I don't think so. Mm. And like, I think his story is the you know I, okay. But it's it's they're all they're incredibly cautious to say when that is the case when you have aphasia when there's been an act like people have to be super careful about what they say to you because it will plant a memory and it will feel like a memory. Yeah. So like she's inception. Yeah. So she's, great movie. So she starts saying, I remember what happened. He attacked me. Oh, he okay. beat me. This was him. This okay. was my husband. Yeah. So now they have physical evidence. Mm-hmm. No one buys his alibi. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, why in the world would you go to a different, like if you'd just waited in that line, it would have taken less time than mm-hmm. driving across town. Like your story's weird. Um, so he goes to trial. And he's, I think the, I think two days is deliberation and he's found guilty. Does she testify against him? She testifies. Oh my gosh. So he's found guilty. He, uh, and in California, you can be tried for an unborn child as a death. Oh. So he's convicted of murder. Whoa. Of the baby. Because she lived. Yeah. So it's assault on yeah. her and murder of the oh baby. And she was the one who was like due at any moment. Yeah. Oh about gosh. to pop. So then she takes him. So he's in uh, jail. So then she takes him to civil court and she's like, you not only did you murder my baby, but I also can't like I'm so I'm traumatized Mm -hmm. and I'm severe. I'm so broken in a million ways. Yeah. And and this was like something they go on for a little bit in the podcast. The two of them are talking about it seems a little unfair that you can take someone to civil court and they physically can't show up to the court date they're in prison mm-hmm. so he immediately loses his trial because he's not there oh so the two of them are like can you just like look through like records of who's in prison and start suing people in prison and they'll never so it's a weird Whoa. so that's I, i'm not quite sure how all of that works but he, so he loses the trial because he's not there yeah and he's found uh responsible for just like how OJ was found responsible uh-huh. in civil court. So now was that he, the same with him, but he was OJ was in the civil court. He was court. found yeah, he was found not guilty in criminal court, mm-hmm. but guilty in civil but, like, court. He wasn't like he was out, so he, he went out. to okay. civil court and okay. he was still found guilty. Because yeah. he did it. So <laughs> if he did it. That's the name of his book. So he owes her all this money. Okay. According uh-huh. to the court stuff. So then he's in jail. So that all happened in like 1970s when the crime happened. Takes a little while for court. It's 1996. Mm-hmm. And now you've got major improvements to all sorts of sciences and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've got these detectives who are running cold cases and they're feeding databases and trying to get hits on other stuff. So they get a hit for. So the sperm from that trial is in this database, uh-huh. even though he's found guilty and he's, it's kind of a, it's not a cold case, mm-hmm. but it's still entered into this system. And now they've run this other guy. So now they get a hit <gasps> for someone else <gasps> for the sperm. <gasps> and it's oh. a perfect match. Oh my gosh. So that dude's name is, let me get this, is Gerald Parker. Okay. And Gerald Parker has multiple other hits because he's a serial killer. <gasps> and he's known as the kitchen basher. Ah. The, um, let me get his nickname. He's the bedroom basher. Oh, no. Uh, so that's what the media calls him. Uh, police called him like the bludgeoning killer. Like they had a yeah. slightly less. And he has the same, a similar MO he to would, what happened He to would her. break into homes and he would beat women with two by fours ah sometimes a mallet sometimes but most of the time i think he killed six or seven women 
Um, and he would he would rape them and he would bludgeon them. What? That quickly though? Like yeah. <gasps> so. Oh no! Oh no! They get this hit on him. Oh. They go. He's in prison for other stuff. Like he's the yeah. he's this known killer. So they're like, "Hey, there's this hit for this old crime back in 1970." And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I did that." Oh. And he has all these details <gasps> that only he could know. Well, I feel like and a it, butthole now. Mm-hmm. Oh. So he was the dude in the parking lot <gasps> by that van, and what they think is that he heard them fighting. <gasps> he saw him leave. No. And what he and what the killer says is that. He went in, that he went into her bedroom, that she was la- like the lights were out. She was laying down in the bed, that she sat up yeah. thinking it was her husband. And then she laid back down. So she thought who was attacking her was her husband. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> so then he's like, so then like, and they swiftly, within two days, he's out of prison. They move him through yeah. the justice system. How long was he in prison? Like 20 years. <gasps> So then they tell him, the judge in his thing is like, we blew it. Yeah. We stole your life. This was bad. Like, no one's trying to, like, skirt around it. They're like, sorry, bro. Mm -hmm. He gets $10,000. That's what you get. That's what you get when you're wrongfully convicted. Like, in in California? Yeah. You get 10 grand. So, wait. I'm going to interject. Yeah. It's, okay. So they had a similar match on the sperm at that time. That was the best technology that they had. She was like a witness testimony. And she's saying it was him. And so like, I feel like it was wrong, but like- That's was... what they go, they go okay. back and forth in this podcast where both of them are like, how else would you read it? Yeah. You can't fault the jury. You can't really fault the detectives. Yeah. Like everything pointed that way. Uh-huh. And you've got this dude who's got this lame alibi. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so bad. Yeah. So then meanwhile, she's like- I don't believe this. Like, she feels so strongly that it was him. She's like, I don't. Yeah. She's like, I don't care what this evidence is. I know what happened to me. And he beat me. And she goes, you can say that he beat me and I was unconscious. And then this other dude came in and this other stuff happened. She goes, but I know he beat me. So that's what she's sticking to. She's won the civil. and, and, And she's a major victim she's got it's hard to live her life and so now they're in this battle of now he's free he's got this 10 grand so then he sues and he's like 10 grand is not enough for how much you took from me so then he wins even a thousand dollars a year no so then he wins a much larger (laughs) i just didn't matter (laughs) in case you guys were wondering it's 500 dollars a year <laughs> so he wins a, a much larger settlement from the state of california so now okay. he does have some money and he technically owes for all this other money so then they go to court and the judge is essentially like look you're both victims i don't want to see you guys come back into this court you guys need to settle this outside of court figure it out whoa and they do and no one knows what they agreed to. Yeah. Um. There's lots of speculation about because I'm sure he also like he probably feels bad. Yeah. His wife was attacked. He lost his baby. Like there's yeah. all like I imagine he also feels like while well, his life was stolen, so was hers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but they do. They come to a settlement, the two of them, and that's kind of over. And that's the story. That's insane. Isn't that what? And there's so much. I mean. That's a wild story. So if you find yeah. other podcasts that, again, Generation Y is where I've got most of my stuff from. Like, But all, I think there's a couple others. Like, then you have to wonder, like, how did we, was he just in the area at that time and noticed them fighting? Or had he been watching them for a while yeah. and realized a pattern? And, like, what well, are the like odds? That's, the crazy, the crazy, like, I, the first true crime story that I really got enmeshed in was the poly class murder mm-hmm. and that dude literally was smoking a cigarette out like he's just walking through a nice neighborhood in petaluma yeah and then he just like picked that house yeah. and like saw those kids and was like that's what i'm gonna do like just sometimes it's horrible coincidence Ugh, i hate it yeah there's like no winning in any of this it's bad oh i hate it me too well i and, and this is a really well-known Case? I think I think the fact that it, several podcasts have covered it. Oh, okay. I'd never heard about it. No. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And like just it just, you know, 
you look back 30 years and you're like, how could you think that with DNA? Like, mm-hmm. like why wasn't the te- technology there yet? And then I'm wondering what's going to happen 30 years from now. When yeah. We look back and like, yeah. you guys were using fingerprints and yeah. DNA from relatives. Handwriting like, samples. What are you doing? Like, yeah. I wonder what it's going to be 30 years from now looking back, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you want to know the little story I was going to tell you, but it wasn't enough of a story? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was... Uh, Kimberly, help me find this wait, one. Wait, wait. Are you trying to get a double tie right now? Yeah. Ugh. Two points. <laughs> Poker for no, this, this one's just <laughs> This one's just Kimberly. Kimberly found this one. But it's crazy. Over in China, so this was for Chinese New Year time. Oh, okay. There was dueling kindergartens. <laughs> and one kindergarten, like the owner of that kindergarten, poisoned a bunch of children and teachers at another kindergarten to put them out of business. What? Is that not wild? What? So they were competing to get the most... Yeah, you just want to have kids and you're school. It's all about enrollment. Poisoned like the water? Poisoned... uh, Well, this happens multiple times. There's been multiple kindergarten poisonings in China. It's like a thing. Mm -hmm. Like with the same people or different people? Different people. Mm -hmm. Calm down. Yeah. Isn't that uh, wild? Is it not public schools? Is it like all private and then you have to pay tuition? Kindergarten. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make loose I'm ties that I that anything. I don't know anything about. Okay. Based in nothing, other than I worked at a private preschool. We I maybe China's the same. Where at a certain age, everything is going to be privatized until you hit into. I don't know how China runs. That's insane. But maybe their kindergartens are private. And kids die and teachers die. Hmm. <gasps> That's so sad. Yeah. Calm down. All right, Drea. What? What are you watching right now? Okay, let's see. Um, I watched that new show, Dracula. It's like a three-part series. Okay. Three, like, episodes. Um, And it, like, starts with old-school Dracula, and you're like, oh. Is this he- like a documentary? <laughs> yes, it follows <laughs> the life of Dracula. Um, No, and then so you kind of start off, like, old-school Dracula, and, like, twists and turns happen, and, like, it's 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 really cool. It's a really interesting take. Um, but the very end, I did not like. I'll never watch that. That's fine. And you're not recommending it where you're going to push past uh, the fact that I don't like vampires. If you have some time and you don't mind a weird ending, you can watch it. I'm not going to. That's not a hard sell. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. How about you? I finished New Girl. Hey, girl. It's so good. Uh-huh. I miss my friends. Oh. Like, well, it's not like I'm sitting across from you <laughs> right now. I miss my television friends. <laughs> okay. You know, Winnie the Bish and uh-huh. Schmidt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I have that little like, you just finished a show. Mm-hmm. Lull. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I'm open to recommendations. <gasps> yeah. You guys write in if you have some show recommendations. I will say, and I think I was telling you this today at work. Um, I listen to so much true crime podcasts. Yeah. And I love it. I'm not like I listen to it in the shower as I'm going to bed, as I'm driving to work. If I'm listening to something, it's usually true crime. Um, but I also want to watch all these true crime documentaries. And I think what my holdup is, is it's too real. You were saying that watching it somehow is worse. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like a real bummer. And I just They're can't. Bummers. I can't do it alone. So yeah, yeah. So you gotta get on that happy train. Watch some of those fun old shows. You've never seen The Office. You've never seen Friends. I <laughs> hate you. <laughs> I've one hundred percent watched those shows multiple. I quote multiple them times. all the time, and I, you never uh, know what I'm talking I about. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. You're the worst. I think you'd enjoy those shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've seen Parks and Rec. 100 percent yeah and i've seen friends multiple times maybe we're fighting i think you fall i, can't as- do this. I think you fall asleep while Wrap you're watching up. them <laughs> <laughs> anyway i don't it's because i was always doing homework yeah and, like, doing well and things. we both have regal unlimited now yes so we go into some movies yeah we gotta go to the movies it's been a while it's been i so haven't long. been in days i know we've only seen like what 12 movies in the last two months gotta get your money's worth <laughs> i've eaten so much popcorn I keep getting free popcorn. I can't do I it anymore. I, uh, I learned I have to like, I think I eat too much air while I'm eating it and I make myself all burpy. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited <laughs> to eat the popcorn. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, that's fun for you. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. 
Thank you for joining us for Chinese New Year's, for the Orange Blossom Cocktail. The Year of the Rat. The Year of the Rat. I need to look up what that means, but I'm excited. Sneaky. No. Crafty. Sure. Little. Making combs. Yeah. Bad, Nesting? Bad dentistry. <laughs> oh, okay. No, Think was... of a rat with the big teeth in the front. Ah, yeah. 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 Anywho, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.